This is Athenia, giving voice to the people who make Athens, Georgia, the unique, weird, and wonderful place we call home. Uh, one Thanksgiving, we had a trip, and we went to a cabin in the woods. The funniest thing, it was me and my brothers, and it was kind of like we were all getting older. We're getting to that point in our lives where it wasn't easy enough to be friends anymore. We had to like figure out how to be friends because we were all had our own personalities and everything. So that was kind of neat. But I remember uh, just kind of rekindling all of our, our brotherly friendship, the brotherly love and whatnot. And, uh, my favorite part about this cabin, the only thing I think I remember from this cabin, I played a lot of horseshoes. I never got good at it. It was a whole week. Uh, <laughs> and there was a bathroom in a closet, like a really shallow closet. And there was a toilet and a sink. And my brother would hide in said closet and scare me. And that's where my love of pranks came from, I think. That, that trip, time. that one time, <laughs> was like, oh, pranks are fun. And then I actually called out, which is one of three times I've ever called out of a job in my life. I called out the day I had to go home, because I had to go home a day early. And I was like, I don't want this trip to end. And so I called out and said my car was broke. Then on the way home, my car did actually break, so. <laughs> <laughs> which is my luck. And so I've never called out since. But <laughs> so that's one of those. I'm Jenny Alpaw. And I'm Lauren Baggett, and today in Athenia, we're talking about family trips. We have stories about camping, people watching, and a dancing chicken. A dancing chicken? Yes, even a dancing chicken. It's a story from Chris Young that's coming up as our first segment. I promise it's one you don't want to miss. The day after Thanksgiving and what's for dinner. Tracy pops the leftover bird into the microwave, and we watch the turkey on the turnstile turn and bop and jump to the techno hum. So many seconds and ding, the bell goes and the bird stops dancing. I'm transported back to a dark night in New Mexico, 1968. We are coming back from Carlsbad Caverns late. Myself, my Uncle Fred, one brother and two cousins, George and Otto, were all, all our age, all of 11 and 12. Memories like a movie, the dusty road, the heat, the darkness and the energy of being in a faraway land, the land of enchantment, made the night in the desert endless. There was no air conditioning, just the wind going by at 60 miles an hour. Enter Rod Serling. The road was remote, it still is, but in those days 100 miles was forever. It was late and we were goofy, and there ahead in the exact middle of nowhere was a roadside attraction. It was the Route 66 kind, the real enchilada. Uncle Fred did the only right avuncular thing and pulled over. This was so boss. Every year we had trekked the 2,000 miles from New York to New Mexico. Our folks would never stop and let us explore these see-the-two-headed-cow places dotted along the wilderness that was west of the Mississippi. The hand-painted billboards hinted at their marvels, and the old folks would scoff. Now we are going to see one for real. It was marvelous. There was a half a human body dug from a peat bog of Europe. He was at least 500 years old. There were gag gifts like rattlesnake eggs and a box of bees. There were guns owned by Billy the Kid. Every nook had something of the fascination of the cosmos for us kids. But the one thing that got me, even more than the 500-year-old half-mummy man, was the dancing chicken. Outside, around back, under a dim 40-watt ball, was a cage with a sign, See the Dancing Chicken, Five Cents. It was a chicken wire cage, maybe three by three by three, waist-high with a painted little gingerbread-like house on one side with its door, and, and there in the middle of the remaining space, a turntable. I put a nickel in. The nickel did not drop as they do nowadays. It rolled. It rolled down to where it triggered the door. The door shot straight up. The tinny 78 RPM record started. The turntable turned. And sure as the sign said, a chicken came out. It got right on the center of the turning turntable and danced to the music. 
After so many seconds, the music stopped, the food pellet fell out, and instantly the bird shot back into its house, pellet and gullet. The door snapped shut. I was beside myself. My mind quickly moved through a checklist of questions. Who taught him and why? How long does it take to teach a chicken to dance? My curiosity had only increased. I had seen it with my own eyes. What could we add to the mix? Let's see it again. The second time had more focus on the mechanism of the contraption. The magic had already waned. Nickel in, door opens, music dance, pellet, chicken home, door closes. In preparation for the third show, I found a grasshopper. Nickel in, door opens, chicken out, music starts, turntable turns, and I offer the grasshopper, holding it up half in the cage. This broke the entire order of that chicken's universe and probably had, has, consequences of my own. He didn't dance in the middle of the turnstile. He lunged from my fingers. I dropped the bug, which fell to the corner of the cage. The bird would step on the turning wheel to approach the grasshopper, but the wheel would just turn under its feet, causing the chicken to fall just shy of the bug. The bird would jump up and try again with the same frightening and comic moves, and then the music stopped. At the cessation of music, the turning stopped, and the frenzied beast paused. At the same time, a pellet rolled down, further confusing the decision-making capabilities of this fine, previously disciplined fowl. There was a suspended moment. He went for the grasshopper, got it, snatched up the pellet, and headed for the door of his little house. Too late? The door closed, and if a chicken's beak could form expressions, then this would have been what we now call thinking outside the box. I fed him all the bugs I could find, and continued to put nickels in the slot. The bird was gorging off the hook and had lost any interest in his station in life. The music, the door, his nickel-a-dance life had caught up with him. The owner, who had obviously moved here after his ship had crashed somewhere near Roswell, did not share in the epiphany. An alien scowl in the middle of Maws had me scooting. I'll always remember that place. I would not say the chicken and I bonded, but for a moment we shared something special on that dark night in the desert. I still can picture the mummy man. Oddly enough, we were a good 40 miles or so down the road before Uncle Fred asked Otto a question and received no answer. Well, he was not asleep, he was just not in the car. We left him back at the roadside attraction. We turned the ground to go back, and as we drove through the dark, we saw one of those hand-painted billboards, Seize the Lost Boy. Our next story comes from Andrew Shearer. I'm from Atlanta, and we were uh, not of uh, like great financial means. My family went bankrupt a couple of times. Uh, like um, I remember we went to Disney World when I was nine, <laughs> and that was one of the first times we went bankrupt after. And the car we went in, I never saw it again. <laughs> it was just, you know, the phone would ring, and they'd be like, uh, don't answer it, or I'm not home. I don't have stories about going to Washington, D.C. It's to our nation's capital. I don't have stories about, you know, going to see a Broadway show. I don't have stories about going to Italy or anything like that. We don't. There's none. <laughs> what I've noticed about when my family and I will reminisce about our traveling or our vacation stuff, we're not talking about the places we went to. We talk about the people that we encountered when we were there or on the way, something like that, because we were like, yeah, you remember um, they were visiting our great-grandparents? I 
and I think that was just because like uh, we were because we couldn't go a lot of places and do a lot of things we just found a source of amusement was always just like other people and the reason why I say it's making me sound bad is because like well we're are we making fun of people I guess we kind of are I mean like, we're weird everybody's weird everybody's quirky So we would go from Georgia to Tennessee, and on the way there is a town called Chattanooga. And on the way to Chattanooga, you'd see these signs that say, See Rock City, See Ruby Falls. And they were like, what is Ruby Falls? What is Rock City? And we thought they were, we didn't know what they were. And every time we'd go, we would see these signs, and me and my brother and I, like, hey, can we stop in Rock City? Hey, can we stop in Ruby Falls? Will we see a stuff? And we're like, you know, you think of it from an adult point of view, you're like, man, you know when you're on a car, you just want to get where you're going. So one year, my dad was like, all right, look, this year, we are gonna just go to all that stuff. We're gonna take you to Ruby Falls, we're gonna take you to Rock City, we're gonna take you to the Underground Lake, all this stuff that you guys have been wanting to go to all this time on the way to your family in Knoxville, we're just gonna do it all. So here we go. We had built it up in our heads for so many years, like Ruby Falls is gonna be this giant explosion of light and color, it's gonna look amazing. We get in there like, who flushed a toilet at Ruby Falls? It's just like this little sprig. It's not like Ruby Falls, more like Ruby's water fountain or something. There's not a whole lot of payoff there. And Rock City, uh, there's some Dayglow elves, I think, uh, in this little diorama. And this thing called Fat Man Squeeze, which is horribly offensive, is this thing. See if you can fit through these rocks. Like, see if you can get stuck and sue us. And the underground lake was just disturbing. It's like the ghosts of a normal lake. <laughs> I don't know how you would describe it. It's just, it was terrifying. All these things have never seen light, so the fish, like, have no eyes. It's a horror. It's a nightmare to be in there. No offense to the people that run Ruby Falls or Rock City or Underground Lake, this stuff is underwhelming. So when we talk about this vacation, we do not really talk about all those things. They weren't a big deal. What we talk about is this family that ended up being everywhere we were on this trip. And the family, there wasn't anything notable about what they looked like. I honestly don't remember. It was the way that they spoke to each other that was just like unforgettable. Um, they yelled. Everything that they said to each other, they yelled. It was just ridiculous. First, we heard the dad. He was like, come on now, y'all, we're gonna leave you here. And it was just like, man, that guy is some strange, loud country man. But then, then the kids would be like, dad, don't leave us here. And they were yelling at each other like that. And the wife, and she would go into, no, they know they were gonna leave you here. It was just crazy. Like, man, this family. And you know, at first you hear someone yell at someone, you're like, all right, uh, they're mad. You know, because we don't raise our voices to each other unless we're angry, you know. But here they are. This is just the way they speak to each other. And, we, you know, when we, over the years as we've kind of taken it apart, we're going like, well, maybe they were hard of hearing. Maybe one of them was. So all of them just are accustomed to yelling. Perhaps the dad couldn't hear very well. So it's just used to yelling at each other. It's a good thing we're inside because these were outside voice people all the time. We named them the Holler family. I think that was my dad's name for them. The Holler family also went to Ruby Falls, also went to Rock City, also went to the underground cave. They were everywhere and they yelled at each other the whole time.
just when we thought we could run away to laugh at them. He's like, we can't wait to get somewhere where we can talk about these people and talk about how funny they are, but we couldn't. We couldn't escape. The story of this family lives on with us. We would just imitate these people wherever we were. You know, we would we would say dad would become the holler dad, mom would be holler mom, and we would gleefully be the holler kids and just start like shouting at each other for no reason. And you know, when you're broke, being able to amuse yourself is a high commodity. It's a very, very like important thing to be able to do. And after that, my brother and I, like the universe of making fun of people, <laughs> opened up for us. And we would take, like, we'd you know, have a dollar or something like that and get on Marta and just, like, go somewhere uh, to a mall or anywhere and just sit and observe people and, and, uh, and hear them, uh, hear the way they talk and watch the way they walk. It may sound bad, but we weren't necessarily judging these people. We weren't going, like, wow, he looks like he's poor. Wow, he looks like he's... He smells horrible. You know what I'm saying? They weren't things that were like necessarily judgmental or, or, or even ways to say that we are better than them. We were just like really amused by humanity in general and you know, including ourselves in that. We we're obviously not uh, not uh, immune to being under the microscope because we laughed at each other all the, all the time. I mean, as many stories as I have of funny things we saw other people do, we've got funny stories about each other and things that we did too. To have a sense of humor about yourself ensures your survival as a human being. To me, it's like food, air, water, sense of humor. That's that's where that falls with me. And sometimes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like the, the order can be different, but a sense of humor is just, uh, and a sense of humor about oneself, if you cannot see how funny you are, if you cannot see how funny people are, then um, someone has done you a disservice, and I think you need to go back and sort of learn that, because it's to me, it's vital. It's difficult to measure how, how important those people ended up being in our lives. And I would often think, I wonder if these people know. <laughs> it's hard to even remember like a time when we weren't just referencing them or someone would just turn their voice to it. I think even if we did go to Paris, I think even if we did go to DC, I think if we went to the moon, we would be talking about the people there or whatever and not necessarily the the uh, you know the crepes we had or or the the painting we saw or the ride we went on I don't think those are the things that we'd be talking about now I think we'd be still talking about the the funny people we saw the way their voices sounded and continuing to like imitate them to this day Our final story comes from a conversation between Katie Andrews and Penelope, who remembers a camping trip with her grandparents. So, Penelope. Yes. You you went on a family trip once. What happened? Um, so, we didn't bring any blankets because it was burning hot in Augusta. So, we didn't think that it would be cold in the mountains. And where in the mountains were you going? Um, I forget where. I think somewhere it was somewhere near Blue Ridge. Cool. Somewhere near there. So my grandpa gets cold in the middle of the night, and me and my grandma are sharing a tent. So he goes outside, and he gets the picnic cloth off the table, mm -hmm. and he uses it for a blanket. Oh. 
That's and, desperate. Yeah. And so um, earlier in the day, we had seen these two guys sitting up in a car by the restrooms, and they hadn't moved since we had gotten there that day. So my Nana had to use the bathroom, and she was scared to go up there by herself. Why was she scared? Because she was scared of the guys? Yeah, they 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 were just kind of sitting there. They were staring. looking weird. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she gets up in the middle of the night, and I'm asleep, and I sleep really heavily <laughs> at that time. And so I, she doesn't wake me. She's, like, really loud. She's clanging everything in the tent, and she's just making a racket. And my grandpa doesn't notice either, surprisingly. So she has to use the bathroom, and she's scared to go up by herself, right? Mm -hmm. So she uses my potty seat for a toilet. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> so Wait, what? <laughs> she um I was I was still in pull-ups mm -hmm. and um I couldn't go anywhere without my potty seat. And I was like three or four and she she uses my potty seat in the middle <laughs> of the night and I'm like, Nana, what are you doing? <laughs> She's like, I really had to use the bathroom and those strange guys are still up there. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, but those aren't for adults. Those no. are for little kids. <laughs> she said, I was going to use one of your pull-ups, but they won't fit me. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it, it, it was super funny. So the next morning, I see her dumping out my potty seat, and I'm like, wait, that was real. That actually happens. <laughs> um... Sounds like a fun family trip in LP. No. <laughs> the next morning she was grumbling, I'm just going to stay in a cabin next time. <laughs> a failed camping experiment, as yes. it were. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. My, my grandparents are really bad at camping. <laughs> You've been listening to Athenia. Reach out to us through our email, radioathenia at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook if you have a great Athens story that you want to share. Thanks to Nick Malice for the music you heard at the beginning of the show and throughout our stories, and thanks to Design Company for the music you're listening to now. Our team includes Jenny Alpaw, Lauren Baggett, Sarah Dupuy, Shannon Hoshield, and Robin McIntyre. Special thanks to Katie Andrews, Nick Malice, and all of our storytellers. Should we both do this? Like, both say it? Is that weird? That's no. weird. That's just, yeah. Okay. This has been Athenia. Thanks for listening.